The following is sponsored by Reformation Sites, church websites for a modern Reformation. Visit ReformationSites.com and listen for more at the conclusion of this podcast. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. You are listening to Mortification of Spin. I'm Todd Pruitt. I'm pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I'm joined, as always, by Carl Truman of Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, Carl, good to see you again. As exciting as it would be, I would love to talk to you about the weather, but I think that's kind of what we do every time. Um, I will just say that the distance between us is always a comfort uh, for me. Uh, it's good to see your face, but knowing that you're far away is also um, uh, uh, kind of surprisingly comforting to me, you, Carl. I just want you to know that. Do you know, Todd, mm-hmm. we, had, we had a letter come to the head office yesterday that I had responded to by Bob from a, a very well-meaning listener who loves the program, who was mm-hmm. concerned that I always put you down on the program. So oh. I'm delighted. When I, when I, one part of my response was this, I think Todd does give as good as he gets. So I'm glad that without prompting. <laughs> Uh, you put me down. Uh, I, think I, uh, I went on to make the point that actually it's 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 not a sign of contempt. It is a sign of respect and affection. <laughs> I would I'd like a copy of that letter. I actually, can, I Carl. it was a very nice letter, and I wrote uh, uh, I, a, a very I hope polite and, and thoughtful response. I'd be interested in doing a uh, dramatic reading of that letter at some point. So <laughs> I'd like to see it. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, uh, enough of that. Uh, let's uh, let's get on to our guest. Um, uh, we, we have a returning guest. We're always delighted when a returning guest comes on because we know that this person is a risk taker. They're willing to risk mm-hmm. the reputation by coming on yet again. And our guest today is uh, Kevin DeYoung. Now, Kevin is a pastor at Christ Covenant Church. It's a PCA church um, in the greater Charlotte metropolitan area. He's also a professor at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary in uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Kevin, great to see you. Thanks for coming on. I am always happy to risk my reputation with the two of you. (laughs) Well, good, good. Now, um, you know, there's some things that I've learned about Kevin over the years Mm -hmm. that I want to share um, with our audience in case they didn't realize it. Um, Kevin is, uh, Kevin has a very tortured relationship with food. That is true. Now, some of that, some of that is due to some health necessities, but but even before that, Kevin, I mean, you largely subsisted on like chicken McNuggets and um, and 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 mellow yellow or or no, I'm sorry, Mountain Dew tater, most of your life. Tots. Isn't that correct? The tater tots feature as well. Tater tots. Uh, there were there were tater tots at times. Uh, I have. Is this just a Michigan thing? I mean, is that common uh, in in the Upper Midwest? I have selective eating disorder. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's probably in the DSM five or uh-huh. something. Yeah. No, I have always been a very picky eater. I don't blame my parents though. We had, uh, you know, we had 
the kind of the same things most weeks. You know, we had mm. spaghetti one night, macaroni one night, hamburgers one night. So yeah. there was a, a rather uh, ordinary Midwestern flair to it. But I, I can only blame myself. I've always been picky. And then, as you alluded to, in 2016, I was diagnosed with celiac, which yeah. means I can't have joy in my life. Right, I uh, can't have gluten, so that made a problem. I love gluten. Oh, I know I gluten. It, it is. Gluten of, is so good, Kevin. It's one of God's good. Gluten gifts. is better than ever, actually. It is. So <laughs> I, yes, I. All the, all the stories are are likely true. Sometimes people meet me and say, "I thought for sure they were exaggerated," but no, I I subsist largely on tortilla chips, cheese cubes, uh, fruity pebbles. Mountain Dew. Uh, I didn't actually drink a lot of uh, pop, as we would call it, mm, or soda yeah. down here until I got celiac. And then I think I just needed empty calories. I was eating so little. <laughs> right, right. I remember some years ago preaching at a church. I'd go there for the weekend. and They were grilling me about my dietary requirements to a, an almost absurd degree. And finally, I said, why are you asking me this question? He said, well, the person who preached this conference last year uh, had all these crazy <laughs> dietary. I said, don't tell me it was Kevin DeYoung. And they said, was it? We, we can, yes, it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> you cannot tell a lie. It was John really Fulmar in Dubai. Oh, yes. I, that was even before <laughs> celiac. And I went there and I got sick. And, uh, you know, I remember one night, dear John, he was, we're going to have just, I know you're kind of picky. We're going to have just normal American food. And they just grilled all this fabulous fish. I hate fish. <laughs> I, I detest fish. The only fish I've ever eaten were, you know, Vandy Camp's fish, you know, sticks that go in, in the oven. And this was like a beautiful spread. They had just gotten it out of the Gulf or something and were grilling it. Mm. So yeah, oh, they man. finally went to some American store and got me Lucky Charms or something. <laughs> the the only person, uh, and I can say this is publicly known, who is as bad as Steve Lawson. He there are many stories about Steve Lawson needing, oh. uh, you know, hamburger between you know the, between the buns in a certain way, and he only eats cheeseburgers <laughs> on the road. And uh, yeah, so he's he's thanked me for being equally eccentric. So, okay. Well, and, and cause I was, you, you've answered my fish question because I thought, you know, Kevin's this Viking from the upper Midwest. Certainly he, <laughs> he it's all kinds of pickled fishes and um, lutefisk and that kind of thing. So no, huh? no, I, I imagine what a, an American five-year-old would eat. <laughs> and that's about what I, what I eat. And sometimes because now that I have celiac people, Oh, you have celiac. Here's a great, gluten-free restaurant or your celiac and so they come with just mounds of vegetables i've never <laughs> eaten vegetables and uh and, and you laugh about mountain dew but you know i'm in groups for for some reason diet coke is very you know you can be you you don't lose your your credibility when you're mm -hmm. just sipping diet cokes all throughout right. the day but right. i've been in groups with important people whom we would all know and then if I raise my hand and ask the waiter for a Mountain Dew or a Mellow Yellow, heaven forbid, the, the <laughs> looks are like, who let the West Virginia 
you know, mountain guy in here or something. No offense to our West Virginia fans. That is very offensive. I live just north of West Virginia. That's very offensive. That's very offensive. Who let, who let the teenager in? Uh, yeah. Yes, I. Uh, I'm going to go skateboard after this. I did. Um, <laughs> my my honeymoon was in West Virginia, so I have a. It's a, a beautiful state. It's a beautiful yeah. state. But we want to talk to you, Kevin, about uh, well, the PCRT. Yeah, is taking place at your old church now, pastored yes. by. Jason the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology. Philadelphia Conference for those, on Reformed for the uninitiated. For the uninitiated. Uh, why is this sort of conference important, Kevin? You know, the Reformation, 500 years ago, many of us have Catholic friends. The mm-hmm. old battles where people are burning each other at the stake no longer occur. Uh, why, is the, why is it important to hold on to the Reformation heritage, our Protestant heritage, even if we've, we've sort of abandoned the wars of religion? Yeah, uh, I, I like the the title of David Wells' book from a number of years ago, "The Courage to Be Protestant." And uh, I think you've even said before, Carl, that to be Protestant is, is something of an act of the will. You, you you have to have the conviction of certain beliefs and certain understanding of Scripture and God's Word. And we believe that these things are really essential to the Christian faith and to the gospel. And we can be happy not to be killing each other and yet there's got to be something on the other side of okay we don't kill each other and eh, it doesn't matter no it it really does matter and just one example you talk about the reformation and of course justification is the article in which the church stands or falls you know i i think more than ever in our world we are desperate for the reformation doctrine of justification and i give credit to where credit is due wilfred mcclay's article a number of years ago I think it was in the Hedgehog Review, maybe, on the the persist the strange persistence of guilt. I've referenced that several times because we live in a world that's actually not morally relativistic. It's it's a wash in judgment, law, guilt. What is the internet if not a place for self-justification to try to prove who you are? And usually that means casting somebody else down to the to the nether regions, and then you get to feel good about yourself. I think people are as desperate as ever to try to prove they don't know to God, but to themselves, to the world, to their parents, to internet trolls, to somebody that they're on the side of righteousness and justice in this world. So Mm -hmm. the reformation of, of justification is as relevant as ever because we have people who have a residual Christian feeling of shame and guilt and no Christian mechanism for redemption. So to get together as PCRT has done for, for decades now and remember and recall these things uh, is, is really important. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed as a pastor, how often explaining yeah. the very basic foundations of the reformation is exciting and uh, reassuring and almost like a fresh discovery for People that have been Christians, maybe, you know, most all of their life, I would have said probably 15 years ago that that would not have been the case, but, but it is. And, and I live in an area where we have a, a, a very long heritage, strong um, Anabaptist heritage, Mennonite, very old school. We, we have both very liberal Mennonites. We're the home of Eastern Mennonite University um, and then old school Mennonites. And though they're very different in a lot of ways, one of the things we found as people have come to our church from both of those ends and have become members of our church is they tell us how important mm-hmm. it is. And, and again, they're from the quote, 
Protestant wing, but this stuff is new for them. The emphasis on justification um, and some of these doctrines, that, that, that's new for them. And they're telling us you can't overemphasize yeah, this. Yeah. It's been really interesting. It, you know, it, it may be listeners of this podcast who are uh, no doubt among the most educated, refined persons mm-hmm. of it, out there. Of course, uh, of course. You know, some of us or even just pastors may think, oh, the, you know, the five solas. Haven't we done, right. haven't we done this in every yeah. new members class or we've, we've done this forever and ever. And yet just yeah. what you said is true, Todd. There are lots of people for whom it is new. And just as often, there are people who have heard it. And it, it leaks. I remember this was yes. now over you know, 10, 15 years ago when my, my grandmother passed away, lifelong Christian. And, uh, you know, talking to her at the, at the end, trying to take off my grandson hat and pastor hat. And, you know, she'd say, well, did I go to church enough? Have I been a good enough person? Yeah. You get to the end of, of your days and you need to be reminded again, just how are you right with God? Right. And it's, it, it never gets old. And I remember, you know, a longtime member of church I was at, you know, I was teaching on some of these things. I was even talking about election and, and, mm-hmm. and he just said, I feel like I'm washed over again with, with God's grace and just a, to feel clean and whole yeah. and pure. I mean, that, that's, that's what the gospel is, is meant to do. And we should never get tired of hearing it. Right. And given that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all, for all who believe, given um, the centrality of these doctrines that are connected to justification, what makes a person right with God, um, we should anticipate that there's actually a great spiritual warfare mm. going on in the minds and hearts of people um, to dilute that truth or to confuse or undermine that truth. We ought to anticipate that. And the Lord's Day is such a wonderful opportunity for pastors to get to revisit those mm-hmm. doctrines again. And, and Kevin, you know what it's like to, and, and Carl, you know what it's like to preach every week. Um, whether you're preaching in, in Genesis or Romans or, or Exodus or first Timothy, the gospel keeps coming back in those passages. I mean, God, God constrains us to continue in his own word. He constrains us to continue to, to revisit those foundational doctrines over and over again. And God help us if we don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, Carl, when you were, you're at Grove City now, of course, but taught for years at Westminster and then pastored nearby. Uh, I would think if any place at an OPC church in the shadow of <laughs> Westminster would just be locked, locked into justification, you can assume this, that it would have been that sort of place. But I, I imagine you, you found the same thing that people needed to hear this week after week. Yeah, I, I think on a twofold front. One, there are those who, it, it, it's one of the things that I was thinking about just it's good that we're not saved by our belief in justification by faith. Mm-hmm. Because in my experience, a lot of good Christian people think they believe in justification by faith, but don't quite get it. Right. And so I think it, it, it was an eye opener for me. You know, it doesn't matter how clearly you preach these things. Somebody still doesn't quite get it. So it's important to keep keep pressing it, but also to rejoice in the fact that we're, we're not, we're saved by Christ. We're not saved by belief in a particular doctrine. Uh, but the, the other side of it was uh, that I, I remember particularly one of my elders who would say to me that uh, the moment in the service that he lived for every Sunday was actually the declaration of forgiveness after the, mm. we would have a reading of the law uh, and a prayer of, uh, 
of confession. And, and then a, uh, I would read, or whoever's leading worship would read a passage of scripture that pressed forgiveness. You know, Jeremiah 31, passage 103, something like this would be used. And one of my elders said to me that that was the moment because he needed, every week he needed to be told that the Lord has put your sins as far away from you as the East is from the West. He needed to hear that. Yeah. And that, I think, takes me to, to Luther. One of the things that most struck me about, about Luther when I was studying Luther is, you know, Luther maintains the practice of private confession right to the, to the point of death. I mean, he never gets rid of that. He, he struggles with whether confession is a sacrament or not. He sort of begins the Babylonian captivity of the church in 1520, thinking it's a sacrament. At the end, he sort of says, hang on a minute, I may have been wrong. It may not be a sacrament <laughs> after all, but it's still a kind of good thing. One of the things that struck me that, that Luther was onto there was that justification, it, it, it doesn't require the word that comes from outside such that reading the Bible for oneself, is in, it's impossible to be justified for it. Yes, clearly, you can read the Bible, be convicted by the Bible, and come to faith. But Luther was making the point that typically it's when somebody else speaks the word to mm -hmm. you. When the word comes, he would say, the word comes from outside. It comes more confrontationally. Uh, and I think that that was something that sort of my elder was getting at. He, he could read the Bible and, and read that he'd been forgiven. He could read Psalm 103 for himself. He could read Jeremiah 31. But when somebody else read it, when the word came from outside, it had a more direct impact upon him. And I think that ties us into, you know, the Reformation understanding of justification is not simply a doctrine. It brings a praxis with it as well. Mm -hmm. It brings the importance of preaching to the center. It brings the importance of looking somebody in, in the eye and declaring the gospel to them, to the center of the, the pastoral, uh, or as Luther would say, you know, the priestly task, but the pastoral, mm -hmm. the pastoral yeah. task. So, yeah, there in the shadow of Westminster, um, yeah, people still need to have justification explained and still need the gospel preached to them. And I'm sure you guys have found that, just what you said, a lot of people think they're talking about justification. And it's, it's actually become a very squishy, therapeutic version of, uh, I, yes. I shouldn't feel bad about myself. Yeah. Right. Uh, God knows that I'm a champion today. Yeah. And it, it doesn't involve faith and repentance. It doesn't yeah. involve that word from outside. It's, yeah. it's not vertical against you only have I sinned. It's coming yeah. to terms with our own brokenness is the word du jour. And we don't even, glorious ruin. Yeah. And we don't even realize the, the, the language we use is so it changes the sort of doctrine we're talking about and the sort of good news that we're talking about. And it's not that brokenness is by itself always a bad sort of metaphor. That's one way right. to describe sin. We yeah. don't work correctly, but by itself, it's woefully inadequate. And it, right. it's, it doesn't have the angularity that scripture uses. And because of that, it doesn't come then with the force of the, the good news, not just to tell us, stop feeling bad about yourself, but actually by yourself, you should feel bad about yourself. Right. Yeah. But praise right. God. Someone outside of you has dealt with it. And that, yeah. I mean, that plays straight into the, you know, in our circles, the Tully and Chubidian kind of nonsense of about, I guess, about a decade ago now. Right. 
where it was very clear to me that he was using Lutheran language really to dress up a therapeutic understanding of the gospel. And what was so shocking there was that Lutheran theologians, who should have known better, who should have understood uh, better, were back again. But Luther himself, you know, you go to 1527, 1528, where Luther has the the visitation of the of the of the territory of Saxony and see how the gospel is proceeding. He says, you know, we gave them justification, we gave them the gospel, and they live like irrational pigs. In other words, they've taken the gospel to be an excuse for living in any way they want. That's not what Luther intended. It's not what the Bible intended. It's not what the Reformation intended. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Carl, you mentioned praxis that belongs to the doctrine of justification. Of course, this relates to how Protestants have have historically worshipped. And there's not one Protestant form of worship. We understand that. But um, those, and particularly now when uh, Protestant worship can involve flying drummers even, but but we understand that you're not making that up. It really. No, I'm not. It really did. Oh, yeah. Tell me it is happening in the PCA. No, it's not the PCA. Okay. <laughs> not the PCA. No, 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 no. Um, we, we haven't we haven't rigged the zip lines yet, but we're getting there. Oh, um, but but I, I think about you know we we have at, at the church I serve we have a, a fairly uh, traditional simple um, reformed worship service. We start with a a call to worship, and one of the things we've tried to explain is at the very beginning we want the first word you hear to be God's gracious invitation to come because that's the basis upon which we approach Him. His grace. We can't approach Him by our works. We have to approach him, his grace. And then of course we have a, we have a confession of sin, which is pointed. And and Kevin, to your point, brokenness is a fine word to describe some of the, some of the consequences right. of sin. Sin's caused all kinds of consequences, but, 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 but sin scripturally is, and I like your term, very angular. It has hard edges to it. it it's about law breaking. It's about being guilty, actually um, forensically, as it were guilty before God. And, and the prayer of confession always we always seek to to name that reality in our in our corporate confession of sin and and then that word of forgiveness that that assurance of pardon and and one of the things we say is that our our our, our structure of corporate worship the very structure of it is proclaiming the doctrine of That's justification right. the biblical doctrine of justification um it defines how we relate to God in our in our corporate worship. And that's been really helpful for our people when some of them early on, when I first got here and I instituted confession of sin and assurance of pardon, they thought, well, is, are we going Catholic? You know, and I just had to explain, no, actually, we're just wanting to make sure that our our corporate worship is is shaped by the gospel. And here's why. That made perfect sense and a to, lot to of, our people. And a lot of people, Todd, have not been taught on that. And so right. when they see it in their churches or, you know, sadly, if, if some of our Presbyterian friends move away from that, yeah. Uh, yeah, people think, oh, we're going liturgical, or is this right. Catholic, or this is just old, or this is Eurocentric, or something. Mm-hmm. You know what? No, it's it's about the gospel. Right. Think about the the arc of like the Isaiah story that first you encounter God high and lifted up, yeah. and so that's praise, it's adoration, and then he mm-hmm. understands, what was me? I'm a man of unclean lips, and then the coal comes to his lips, and forgives him and then God gives him a word and then he sends him out yeah. and you explain to people that this is why we've worshiped this way and why mm-hmm. it's it's good and right to worship this way people want a dialogue and worship and say absolutely it's dialogical yep. but it's not it's not you asking the pastor questions there's another opportunity right. to do that it is a dialogue between us and God he calls us to right. worship we call on him we confess our sin he forgives us he speaks to us the whole service is to have this gospel arc to it. And I've found that as, as you know, we teach on this and we probably need to do it more that a lot of people, Oh, wow. I, 
I thought this was just tradition and you just wanted to be traditional worship or something, or this was just kind of Presbyterian. No, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's about showing the gospel every Sunday and how we worship together. Right. Yeah. Well, Kevin, it's been great to have you on and uh, extremely important topic. The, the, the importance, the vitality of the Reformation today. So we want to uh, commend you uh, to our listeners. You, many of our listeners will know of you already. Kevin has written many great books, many very helpful books. Uh, you write also, I think, still at Gospel Coalition is where... Uh, uh, w- once in a while. Uh, so I write with you at, at World Opinion. World Magazine. Uh, yep. And then I, I have uh, kevindeyoung.org, which is just kind of mm-hmm. collects everything. Uh, and with you uh, and others, right? First things or desiring God. So mm-hmm. uh, all over the place. But yeah, if you want to find stuff, it all eventually gets collected there at kevindeyoung.org to just be a, a repository for it. But appreciate you guys. Thankful for your work, your writings, your friendship, your preaching. So thanks for letting me come on with this. In Meisters and not ask not not asking me questions about c- cigars or drinks. <laughs> well, it's always a delight to have you on, Kevin. We want to, uh, as I say, commend your work to our listeners. Also, ask if you're listening, uh, visit our website, mortificationspin.org. You'll uh, get a chance there to give a donation if you wish. We are a listener-supported podcast, and also a chance to enter to win a copy of Our Sovereign God which is a collection, a classic collection of PCRT papers from years past. So if you want to understand what the Alliance stands for or why the PCRT is important, that's a great little book to get hold of. In the meantime, all that remains is for me to thank you for your support. Thank you for listening and say that we look forward to being with you in two weeks' time. They call me mellow yellow, They call me mellow yellow, Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. Kevin, Carl wants to know if you if you know what mixology is. Is it about drinks? Yes, yes, you're in the right ballpark. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, Talk the hardest that. thing the hardest thing that Kevin drinks is uh, Mountain Dew. Is there a debate? Because I've I've eaten lunch with you where this issue had to come up. Is there a debate as to which or if there's any difference um, between in, in strength uh, between Mellow Yellow and uh, and Mountain Dew? Uh, I prefer Mountain Dew, but uh-huh. when you're in a place that only has Coke products, yeah. I try to be flexible to win whomever to Christ. <laughs> hey there, this is Eric from Reformation Sites. These days, having an effective church website is vital to ministry. Unfortunately, it's not easy to find someone in your church to put together a site that reaches out to visitors and ministers to members. That's what Reformation Sites does for your church. With beautiful, mobile-ready designs to choose from, 
helpful service, and useful features, your website will be ready when people are searching for churches in your area. It also integrates with many popular services like Sermon Audio, live streaming, and online giving with pricing that fits into any church budget. We want to help your church start off strong this year, which is why in January we're offering 40% off the website setup fee. Get started today by using coupon code RS40 when you go to ReformationSites.com. Reformation Sites, church websites for a modern reformation.